Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 59, The Hard Journey of the Lone Wolf. Content warning, if you don't like bad words and immature nonsense, this podcast isn't for you. Okay? Uh, it's, yeah. That's short and sweet this week. Yeah. We, we get into shenanigans on the show, and we swear, and we pose pretty ridiculous ideas and uh maybe offensive to those with sensitive sensitive de- de- sensitive disabilities what's the how sensibilities <laughs> sensibilities <laughs> sensitive sensibility delicate sensibilities that's what i was trying to say <laughs> if you're a person of um of Discerning taste and erudite bearing. You'll want to fuck off. Oh, man. I woke up at three o'clock this morning and I knew I was like, all right, am I good? Am I good? Do I have my functions? Do I feel like I can put a sentence together? And I jumped right in and proved that I don't and I can't. So uh, welcome to episode 59 of the Revolting Podcast. Yeah. What are we dealing with this week? What are we? I have some bruised ribs mm-hmm. from uh, throwing myself on the ground forcefully. Yeah. And you have a broken ass. Oh, yeah. Well, you crashed skiing. Um, I did. All I did was I started going to bar class again. I haven't done it <laughs> since. Uh, geez, August, I think, because I was doing that big tiling job and then I was getting out of work late and, um, and then my ankle exploded and I, I dared not do anything too, uh, I don't know, invasive. I don't know, threat, threat, potentially threatening to the well being of my, um, uh, of my tenuous, tenuously existing ankle health. That's a lot of syllables. And uh, so I stayed away. Um, and then I just decided, like, I've got to do I got to do something for myself because uh, this this the lack of diversification in my physical engagement is driving me a little mad. So mm. I went last night and I knew it was going to be hard. And it was. And I woke up this morning and a number of my body parts hurt. Yeah. Yeah. All of my body parts hurt. Fortunately, my ribs hurt so much that the other parts don't even register. There's something about one's ability. I mean, I felt I felt pain in multiple parts of my body before, so I don't know how valid this no, perspective is. But the, yeah. the, the, the running theory is that you can only really uh, concentrate on like one sort of pain at a time like one pain my brother, will override another kind of pain or whatever my brother used to when i was a kid and i would complain about my body hurting anywhere for any kind of little kid reason like i scrape my knee mm-hmm. if i s- complained he would reach across and smack me <laughs> and say now you're not thinking about your knee <laughs> without fail yeah he never didn't love that it's a good one <laughs> yeah and if we ever see each other again, the first time you say anything is feeling uncomfortable, I'm going to slap you <laughs> just in look, honor, honor of your brother. I look forward to that. Um, what are we uh, today's episode? Today's episode is about being alone. Yeah. How to live and or ride by yourself. This is a good one, too. I like this. Uh, I like solitude. 
but I'm also uh, an incredibly social creature, so I'm, I'm always conflicted. <clears throat> this is an issue that I have as well, because I am, despite some outward appearances, pretty introverted. I... And as I've had this explained to me by my wife, who is smarter than me, uh, intro, uh, you know you're an introvert if to kind of recharge your batteries, you prefer to be alone. And you're an extrovert if to recharge your batteries, you need social interaction. Mm. And I'm very much, uh, I like people, the people I like, I like, I'll, I'll, I'll express it that way. And then after I've spent some time with them, what I really want is to be, be by myself. Yeah. What's the saying? I, I like, I don't, I like persons. I don't like people or I don't like people. I like persons like individuals. There yeah. are individuals who I adore, but people in general, I'm not a fan of never have. Yeah. Been. Don't people... like, don't like crowds. Don't like, no. but do, do like cities, you know, like, small town life isn't really for me, but how do, you know, without having a country home and a city home, like how do you manage that? You know? Yeah. I think it's super hard. And that's why this is an episode because I think a lot of people have this feeling of how to balance socialization with like, um, you know, taking care of yourself how to how to like be okay on your own but not be lonely i mean i think there's it's this dance that we're all doing all the time because we are social creatures and i certainly get lonely sometimes despite living with these uh other persons yeah but it's you can also be lonely in a crowd you know yeah like that's, yeah, yeah, that's, sure. a, that's a whole other aspect to this or a dynamic to this yeah, it's about like connection versus alienation. I think there's a ton there, and I'm in I'm in one place or another a lot of the time, and I don't know why. Just how you're built. Yeah, I don't know. Before we before we turn this rock over and look at the horrifying creatures that have been living beneath it, let's do music picks. Okay. And. You know what? I'm going to go first. You always go first. Do it. I'm going to go first. You go first. <clears throat> and the reason that you always go first is because you already know your pick and you have it written down in the notes. But mine, and I had to bring my phone with me because these are more words that I don't think that I'd be able to recall on my own. Uh, but it's a new Monster Magnet release. Uh, oh. Monster Magnet is has uh, for decades been one of my favorites. And... um they just released a record called uh, Test Patterns, Volume 1, recordings from, gosh, 1988, I think, when it was just a three-piece, and uh, Dave Windorf, there's a picture of uh, vocalist and guitarist Dave Windorf on the inside cover, and he looks exactly like he does today, like that dude has barely <laughs> aged, which is wild. He had a span where he was fat. Like he got off drugs and then he gained a bunch of weight and then he dropped a bunch of weight. And now he looks exactly like he did 33 years ago. Um, mm. But there's two songs on this album uh, called it's called Tab. And then there's like a demo version or something like that. And Tab is sort of like Monster Magnets uh, Dope Smoker uh, by the band Sleep, where it's, you know, it's like a 45 minute long anthem or whatever. Mm. Mm. Um, so now I own, three, <laughs> I own, I think three versions of tab and I couldn't tell you, you know, the difference between any of them. It's just this droning sort of stoner <laughs> symphony. And, uh, yeah, that's been on my turntable now since its release and I quite enjoy it. I don't really understand because I haven't smoked dope since 1992 but I enjoy an, a long droning stoner symphony so much. Mm -hmm. I it's I don't get it. It's it's uh it's great background music, you know, for like you you're not necessarily engaged in what you're listening to. Where you, for me, if it's uh, uh you know if there are lyrics involved, then I'm 
that I'm engaged with the with the lyrics or the vocalist um, if they're short and you know each track uh, then you're you know you're anticipating the next one it's a little more I don't know a little more immersive I guess but maybe that's the word uh, but with big big anthems like this that just go it's like, like a, it's like it's like uh, I I don't I'm not a big fan of jam bands you know, not at all. Like Grateful That's what Dead, I don't get. Noodling, yeah. meandery stuff. But but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like, you know, the drop tuning or the the sort of atmospheric. Uh, fuck, I don't know. But I'm I'm with you. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's kind of like a warm bath of melancholy. Huh? Good. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. OK, that's perfect. <gasps> Yeah, that's and then then you have to ask the question, why do you like a warm bath of melancholy so much? And that's I don't know. All the answers to that are low key embarrassing. So I'm going to just glide right by them. It gets me out of my own warm bath of melancholy, you know, to to be in a uh, a generic or unaffected warm bath of melancholy uh, to to sort of distract you from your own. I mean, that's something. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like outsourcing your own maudlin bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to go ahead and do this for me? Awesome. Cool. cool. Now I can fold laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Take charge. It's okay. Yeah. You know what it is? It's like stoner spa music. You know, like, yes. it's, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> when you go in to get a massage and they and they play that. It, that the woman that I did the God trip with when I was in Colorado, like I was trying to find music that would be suitable. And I found that any music that I liked that I picked that I have a history with, even though I really like it, I have very specific memories attached and, and music is very foundational or very fundamental in, in uh, my recall. And so it was almost as if just as soon, just as I started tripping really hard, I was like, jumping back in time to these very specific situations when I listen to the this music or these songs and that put my whole trip on like a really heavy cadence and wow. um and then I was I couldn't even figure out how to use a speaker or phone or bluetooth or anything at this point so I asked the woman I was like can we just listen to something she put some kind of um tube and throat singing on and I was like no no this isn't good either but then as soon as she put spa music on, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm good. I'm, this is good. I'm not engaged in any way. Um, but I'm super present with what I'm listening to. And that's exactly what tab is one, two, and three. Oh, good. And, and, uh, dope smoker, which is you a funny, what? I don't know if I brought this up real quick. If you ever end up at a strip club. Um, sometimes they say like, what song would you like to listen to? And it always gets a laugh. If you say, I would like dope smoker. Cause that would be a 60 minute lap dance. <laughs> that is, I'm trying really hard not to laugh cause it hurts. <laughs> so what I'm seeing right now is robot. And like, just in absolute agony. Oh, I'm just holding, <laughs> trying to hold my thorax together. I need some duct tape. Um, I keep wanting to bring up the song um, Death is This Communion uh, by High on Fire, which, of course, uh, Matt Pike was in sleep. Um, but I think High on Fire is my favorite warm bath of melancholy. Okay. Anyway, I don't know that. That was just stuck in my head, so I'm glad I could get it out. So my <laughs> pick for this week. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> oh, the hour-long lap dance to Dope Smoker. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I just had this vision of the stripper getting really tired. <laughs> I'm like maybe needing a water bottle and a towel. Oh man. And the harder you try not to laugh, the more you laugh. It's awful. Oh, it's I'm, terrible. I'm, I'm totally uh sympathize <sighs> and empathize with what you're going through right now. 
you're also really enjoying it. So I appreciate mm, that very um, much. Yeah. My pick for this week is uh, the record Still Feel Gone by the band Uncle Tupelo. Um, Uncle Tupelo, for people who don't know, were the people who invented alt country. It's called Y'alternative. Y'alternative. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so Uncle Tupelo's <laughs> first record, you dick. <laughs> Steve's just going for the comedy hits now. Because <laughs> I'm in the pain cave. Uh, so Uncle Tupelo's first record came out, I want to say, in like 1989 or 1990. Uh it was called No Depression, and it is commonly thought of as the first alt-country record. And before alt-country turned into this kind of, like, VH1 wishy-washy bullshit, um, Uncle Tupelo's first record was what I would have called, like, cowpunk. And, and I really, coming from Alabama, I really related to it. And what it was, was a bunch of guys who were raised on country music, but who had discovered punk rock and were sort of sticking those things together in a, what was at the time a really interesting way. So the first record is really good, but still feel gone. The second record, I think, is this perfect distillation of kind of growing up in nowhere neighborhoods uh, and looking at all the adults around you and seeing how depressed and aimless they are <laughs> and recognizing that that's, that is a potential future. So this record, to me, it has some really great songs on it. Uh, Whiskey Bottle, I think, is on it. Oh, it's a great... Uh, it's a That's an anthem, man. I mean, it's just like... It, it that that to my mind is like the quintessential Uncle Tupelo song. I love. I couldn't. I I couldn't listen to that song enough. I'd never get tired of it. I feel exactly the same way. It's so perfect. Yeah. In all of its construction, um, it's anthemic. It's a rocker. I remember I saw Uncle Tupelo at this little place in Cambridge in. I don't know, I think 1990 or 91. And we were used to going to punk shows and, you know, getting a pit going. And so they were playing these songs and we were slamming around into each other and being idiots. And it felt it was just like one of the better moments in my life. Hmm. Because it felt like this is our music. These are our people. This is our nonsense. It was yeah. that whole kind of thing. <clears throat> There's a lot of band. I mean, there's I, I'm not going to be able to name a lot of bands who who sort of it was either people raised on punk rock that turned to country or people raised on country that turned to punk rock and then turned back to country or whatever. Uh, Drive by yeah. truckers is one, another one I can think of. Um, yeah. uh, Will Johnson, uh, singer songwriter, oh, your cousin, my cousin, uh, my baby cousin. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with him, you know, like. He was in rock bands uh, when he was younger and then, you know, like blossomed into this creative force in this <clears throat> entirely different genre. Um, and uh, I, it's 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 kind of fun. And now there's sort of not now it's it's been happening for a while, but like a lot of uh, punk bands kind of turning to uh, bluegrass and, you know, really sort of exploring themselves as musicians beyond uh, I don't know, whatever they cut their teeth on. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, I feel pretty good about our picks today. And, I love them. All right. And now that we got that handled, uh, let's enjoy a word about our sponsor. Oh, Hey, it's story time with Steve. When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JC Penny free spirit. And in time, I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place, 
run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy. What, what story do you think that was? I don't know. I bet it was a really great one. Maybe the die cut sticker. <laughs> we just keep pl- plugging that. I got I to record some new ones. We just keep plugging those. And well, like I told you, I recorded three or four myself about my very emotional connection with our friends at Shimano and Patrick, who is not, who actually will just find the break and put the ad in, but not listen after to me telling this story. He just has ignored mine because probably he's like, I don't know. Robot's voice is terrible. I'm just going to do Stevels again. We're just going to get in the melancholy bath, the warm melancholy bath of Stevel's voice. It's such a good, that's such a good uh, visual. Mm. Uh, totally relatable uh, to me. Okay, so question one, we're going to yeah. jump right into today's episode. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we already jumped into today's episode, but uh, do you like being alone? And if so, how much is too much? This can apply to riding your bike or to living your life. How has your appetite or tolerance for being alone evolved over time? Yeah. When, when I was when I was young, I didn't want to be alone at all. I don't know what that was, whether that was insecurity and I needed uh, I needed like other people's reassurance, reassuring presence all the time. I just didn't want to be alone at all and then something in my 20s something a a switch flipped and suddenly i was like oh alone is so much better (laughs) uh and now now i have the problem that i seek alone too much and then i find myself suddenly lonely and depressed and i'm like why is that oh it's because you haven't really spoken to other people there's there's definitely a a happy medium that one needs to strike i've seen it with i used to i used to go i went to college with this guy who was so engaged and so gregarious and so like hyperactive and then somewhere along the way he just i don't know he just kind of checked out like he was going on climbing trips with a buddy of his all the time and spending far more time sort of involved in his own trip and then it was interesting because he used to have no problems being in in social situations this is the first time i ever witnessed witnessed this to any degree he had no trouble being in social situations and he was always engaged really funny you know charismatic didn't really care what anybody thought of him. Like he was just this goofy caveman. And, uh, and then after he kind of dipped and stopped engaging it, it, I sort of saw his ability to be social as sort of an atrophied muscle mm-hmm. and he didn't use it. And then it just kind of went away. And then he became very awkward. Uh, you know, not w- with me where everything was fine, but it would just be like, he just couldn't, it was like he was crawling out of his skin, you know, and he didn't know what to say and he couldn't he'd fumble over his words and stuff. Really interesting. Um, and so with that in mind, I'm constantly kind of walking this line between uh, do if I'm spending so much time by myself that it, it adversely affects my ability to be social and to be engaged. And now that I live in a place where I don't know anyone, save for a small handful of people, like a majority, I suppose a majority of my social interaction is online. Like I'm, you know, constantly exchanging emails or direct messages or, you know, managing my site or whatever. So it's pathetic as shit. I realize. Um, but then well, I, I also say pathetic. Well, it's, go on. you know, like my, my social life is, uh, virtual, you know, essentially. 
Uh, but then, you know, then I'm, then I get to go out and I do, I do know people and I do socialize and I get down to Seattle and I see all of my Hodala friends and I'm like, so I'm still, uh, present and, and, and utilizing those proverbial muscles. Um, but definitely not, you know, I don't have immediate access to like a large and always present community like I did in my old life, you know? So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm keeping that in mind, like making sure that like start trying to keep myself in check, making sure that I, I still can do it, you know, because I do like to do it. I do like it. But then also like I, you know, like we said at the top, like, uh, it's, it feels real contradictory because on one hand I want to be like Richard Prinicky and go to Alaska and build a cabin and never see anybody again. And then on the other hand, I know that that's not realistic and I have to be, and for my own mental well-being, I have to be engaged with people. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I, and I, you know, I've lived where I live now for a long time and I know a lot of people, but my default choice is to be alone. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, anytime I get invited to do something, my default is no. And I don't, I won't say that, but in my head, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And then I have to like come around to yes. And I will catch myself saying no too much. Uh, without thinking about it. And, and then I, I am sort of like, uh, what's the word like disaffected or it's like alienating and the other the other thing for me is that I don't do. And I think you're like this, too, which is maybe why. We're friends. In the way that we are, is I don't like to talk about nothing mm -hmm. like if you just got your arm cut off. All I want to talk to you about is how you feel about your arm getting cut off. I don't like to I don't like to shy away from people's like what's really going on with them. I don't want to like talk about the weather. Oh, yeah. I don't want to tell some bullshit story about I went on a ride last week and I'm just going to tell you how far I went. And oh, yeah, it was cold that day. Like that could be a feature of the conversation. But if I'm talking to you, I want to talk about like what's going on with you. Right. Substance. And that can be exhausting both for me and for them. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I think I'm I'm a little too much for people. Uh, I, I agree. Small talk is is really difficult for me as well. Uh, uh, and I, you know, that was part of the part of like what I would run into the last few years, the last two years, I think at, um, Interbike, the Interbike trade show. And then, uh, gosh, I think it happened. It happened, uh, at the Sacramento handbuilt show as well. Like as soon as I got there, uh, as soon as I got there, I became totally overwhelmed and started having like almost an anxiety attack because it's like, Hey, how's your show? How's it going? What do you see? Have you seen anything cool? And I began to shut down. And at the Sacramento show, I ran into my friend Steve Elms and we went behind this little curtain and we sat down and we had, we had a, an actual conversation. And that gave me foundation so that I could go out and have a bunch of small talk, chit chat, bullshit with people. Uh, and similarly, uh, I'd had a couple of times at, at Interbike where I ran into friends and I just asked them, like, hey, would you sit down with me and have a conversation? Because I needed to have something of some substance. I needed to have something of some quali actual quality interaction before I got into all of the nonsense. Uh, and I was like, I felt myself having like, a little bit of an anxiety attack about being there. And this is, I mean, fuck man, this, uh, interbike, I think, I don't know how many years went minimum 20, uh, interbike shows that I've been to maybe, maybe 24, 25. And I was, I found myself <clears throat> really uncomfortable, uh, towards the end. Um, so yeah, I, I relate to that. I need to, I would rather have a conversation about, really tell me just tell me what's going on with you like tell me real stuff yeah uh or let me tell you real stuff and then and then i can balance you know and go forward and talk about the weather or whatever 
I think the superficiality, I find it so alienating. I I feel like we both know that we're not doing anything here, right? Like, <laughs> we both know that this isn't actual connection. So I'm spending time with someone, but I'm there's no actual exchange. Yeah. And I feel I'm too... I'm too impatient for that. Like my number one character flaw is impatience with myself, with other people, with everything. Nothing is ever happening fast enough for me. Um, and doing small talk is sort of like having it shoved in your face that you're doing nothing and going nowhere. And well, I find it very yeah. lonely making too. It's, it's like you're, you're like, you talk about being lonely in a crowd. That's what it is. It's like, there's tons of people here and I'm disconnected from all of them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know, besides, you know, putting yourself in a corner and becoming invisible just long enough to survey the situation and to, to see if there's anybody, anybody that you feel like you might be able to connect with or some way that you can readjust your perspective and, and connect with, you know, some random. Um, uh, otherwise, I, I feel like I just got to I got to get out of there. You know, it's a it's a weird sort of jockeying of energy and abilities and and uh, conversational abilities. And if it's just like you're not in the mood, you're not in the you're not in the headspace. You're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna get fucked. You know. Yeah, I was. It's funny that you mentioned one of the Sacramento shows, Nabs Sacramento. <clears throat> I forget what year, maybe twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, I think that was the, yeah, that was the last that was the last year it was there. Yeah, I was in the seven booth uh, talking to just a million people and I was trying to sell bikes. And when you're selling, a lot of times you're trying to connect with people, but like they don't really want to be connected with. And it was so nonstop. And I was like exhausted. And it was still like, you know, there's like there's three or four hours left and you're dead on your feet. And Greg Hudson, who. Uh, works at Chris King. Their booth was right across from ours. And Greg walked up to me with a bottle, like a liter bottle of water and a lip balm and like a little snack. And he's like, hey, man, how are you doing? And it was the most it was the kindest. Most perceptive thing I could imagine happening in that moment. And like we didn't we didn't then get into all the stuff, but he just like he connected with me and like, he's like, I see what you're going through here and let me just help you. And it was so beautiful uh, because I can lose my shit at those shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there. It's pretty hard, especially yeah. when you, I mean, working in a booth I've done, I've done it. I've done everything. I've, I've driven stuff out. I've set up, I've worked. Uh, you know, in some instances, in a couple instances, I did everything. I drove out, set up, worked, broke down, drove home, which was terrible. I don't recommend anybody do that. I realized that most people do that. And I had a I had a pretty cushy gig <clears throat> in all the other times I'd done where I was just responsible for driving all the bikes out or I was responsible for uh, showing up and setting up or whatever. But, man, doing all of that stuff, I'm not built yeah. for that. Yeah, that's that's what I had done that that show. I had shipped bikes to San Francisco and then driven them out to Sacramento and set up the booth. And I had help like there were other people there, but it was it was nonstop. And I'm not built for nonstop. Did we did un, kind of unrelated, but did we see each other there? Did we talk? I other than like playing tonsil hockey briefly. I don't remember seeing you. No, I don't. I don't think we saw each other at that show. I don't remember seeing you at that show. I remember seeing you at an interbike once. Um, I but not really interacting. I, don't remember I saw you like, anymore. I think we met at, at like the breakfast joint at one of those shows. Oh, I was with Patrick Brady and you were with a human person or two other human people. And I think we did the, I think we did the, you know, the international, we did one of those international yeah. male nod, the international male nod that says, yeah, the first four Metallica records are good and everything <laughs> else is garbage. Oh, speaking of which, uh, speaking of Metallica, 
So <clears throat> uh, I had. Uh, this is what happens. This is what happens on revolting. <laughs> Speaking of Metallica, go on. I had Skype open this morning and I was waiting for robot to join the meeting, but I was laying on my sort of reclined on my bed. And then he, he came through and was like, Oh, I didn't know it was going to be this, this kind of me. I was very looking pretty seductive. I think when he, I thought so. when he joined the meeting, because I can't get into my closet and sit here and wait. I don't want to be in here for a second longer than I have to be. And especially cause my butt and my legs are real sore today. Um, and so at the moment that he came on the call, I was looking through my emails and looking uh, at the tracking number for a Metallica shirt I bought myself 10 days which go- ago. Which goes back to the episode we did about T-shirts. Yeah. A whole episode about <laughs> fucking T-shirts in which you told the story of. Go Tell that story. So... <laughs> It's so it's so funny because I've looked at this particular shirt uh, probably once every six months. I I go to some website and I look at this shirt and then I think I really, really want this shirt. And then I'm like, I don't need another fucking shirt. So we did an episode and it was titled. So I see you are also wearing a black shirt, which is taken from a song by horse band that we're both very fond of. And. So I used to work at this clothing store in Berkeley, maybe right after I graduated from college. And I was the music merch buyer. I managed the department where, you know, we had Slayer socks and fucking Pantera sweatpants and all this bullshit. But like the rad thing is I could look through these catalogs and I've always been a big fan of screen printing. And so I looked through these catalogs and I could order one of something like there's this long sleeved green, long sleeved. I hate God shirt. There was no earthly reason why I would buy any of these for the store because nobody had want them. But I wanted one. So I ordered one for myself. Um, And meanwhile, I'm ordering like 50,000 Beastie Boys shirts and 50,000 Green Day shirts and just losing my, my mind. Um. So I guess probably around this time I got, maybe it was even before this, but I got a uh, Metallica Damage Inc. shirt. I might have even had this before that, maybe from high school. Anyway, it was a fucking cool ass shirt. And um, (laughs) my friend Jen Klish, who is affectionately known as Jenry Rollins, she wrote the tech manual for King Components. Like she's a... Oh, she's a baller. She's Lisa shares uh, mechanic on the Norba circuit. And she's a, she's a super square chick. So she is you like, know what's crazy. I'm going to interrupt you. You know, what's crazy is I just rewrote that manual. Oh, no kidding. Three or four months ago. Okay. Well, I can't say that. I guess she, she wrote the first one. She's, she started. She when, did a great job. I didn't have to do much. She started in, uh, when they were in, um, weed or, you know, Shasta. I think. And then, and then when they went to Portland, she's, she stayed in California. Um, anyway, so I had this damage ink shirt and she was like, Hey, you know, you want to trade some shirts, that shirt for some bike shirts. And I was like really hungry for bike shirts. I didn't have any bike stuff, you know, bicycle related stuff. So I said, yeah. And she had a, a synchro shirt, a black synchro shirt and a white Richie shirt. And I was like, yeah, I'm part of the, like, I'm part of the industry, whatever, you know, how exciting for me. <laughs> and I traded her this badass Metallica shirt for a synchro shirt and a Richie shirt. And probably <laughs> a year later, I totally regretted that swap. And I've yeah. been lamenting the loss of that shirt ever since. And so 10 days ago, I finally ordered myself one. You've been lamenting it all this time with the complete ability to just get another one, but go on. <laughs> yeah. But I don't need, uh, I don't need another band shirt. You know, I don't need, and did I really, do I really love, but I kept revisiting. I kept going back. I'd Google damaging shirts and then some of them would have the tour. I had the damaging poster on my wall when I was in high school. Like it's that puss head drawing with the spiked bats and a, like a tattered banner. It's, it's a really great graphic anyway. So I bought my, finally now, what, 27 years later, I bought myself a replacement damage ink shirt. 
So there's the story. <laughs> so you were. It's the story. God, this is a total revolting <laughs> shit show digression. <laughs> yeah. So I so I log on and Steve's laying there across his bed in this very like we're gonna. What's the video version of sexting? Is it? I don't know what that is. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I was actually thinking about that too right before you got on. I was thinking about like. This looks too graining to be grainy to be sexy. And I also like my hair is terrible right now. So I wasn't if I if I get an opportunity to do a video sexed with somebody, I got to get a haircut. Oh, your hair is so good change, right now. Change, I love it so change, much. Change the lighting a little bit. It just was not appealing visually. It was amazing. I got on there and I was like, oh, we're going to get it off. I don't even know what this is, but this is what's happening. But it turns out he was just tracking this T-shirt that he's been pining for for 30 years. Uh, okay, uh, let's get on to question two. Get back to business. Yeah. Question two. Uh, when we feel lonely, it can be really hard to break out of whatever melancho melancholy shell we're, we've constructed for ourselves. How do you re-engage with people when you're in that awkward place? And is the bike or skateboard a useful tool for doing that? Um, <clears throat> the weird part about being introverted or depressive or and depressive or whatever is that you get in these modes and then you recognize that you're in that mode and you also recognize that you need to get out of it. How? But it's but it's not that easy. Yeah. There's, you know, there's sometimes it doesn't happen very often, but I, uh, I used to just get like a lot of, when I lived in Oakland, you know, so like, like, uh, my wife didn't want to hang out with me or she was like doing other stuff or whatever. Like I didn't have any, I didn't have, I, I just, just wanted somebody to hang out with, you know, like, but my friends kind of all went, they were grownups and they would have dinner parties and stuff. But I was like, why, who do I have to like mob around with you know like i just want to ride bikes and like look at stuff and like maybe stop in a bar and have a drink and so i ended up uh spending a ton of time by myself and then um, my friend caro had moved out from lincoln and she was living in the bay area and it was funny but the joke was like i had to sh i had to ship in a like, I don't know how old she was, 24, 25 or something. I was like, I had to ship in a 25 year old to, to like hang out with me. But she was always <laughs> like, she was total ride or die, you know, like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you want, you want to go like, go do something. Uh, and my friend Mikey too, like we were sort of like the three musketeers and we just go like goof around. Like she was always down, whereas everybody else kind of, but the, you know, I'd get into these places. If I didn't have somebody, I'd, I felt like, like I, I would just start talking to the grocery store checker or something. I would catch myself having conversation, like trying to engage people in conversations just because I was so, I felt so starved. Yeah. Um, and it's, it wasn't all the time, but man, when you, when you, when you have that hunger, you have that need, like you just, and you don't have any way to fill it. You know, if it's like what, late at night or whatever. But luckily we had like skateboarding was a real easy one um, because there was every time, you know, we had this little special parking lot and you go there and you, there was, there was always somebody, you'd always see somebody. And that was a really special place to me. That's the easiest one for me. I mean, not skateboarding, uh, but there's, you know, I'm, I'm in a, crew of people who are everyone someone is always going for a ride and so you, there's a text that comes out or you know like my friend magna will always go for a hike or a run or a ride or uh you know the only challenge with those people is like you say they have jobs yeah and so a lot of times i'm like but who can who wants to do this thing at 11 does anyone want to play yeah it's not, and I mean, it's really, that's, that opens up a, a whole visual scenario for me back to, you know, when I was a kid and you just, you're coming home on the school bus and you say like, oh, see at the jumps, you know, yeah. there's this little yeah. wooded area that we built a bunch of jumps and we would go and hang out there and whatever, break bottles and stuff. 
but you just like you just know that's the that's the spot you show up and there's going to be people there like that goes away generally i think as an adult and i think that's so cool that's such a cool aspect of like bike shops you know like one-on-one studios in minneapolis is one that comes to mind like you show up there and there's going to be some shenanigans like yeah. you, you always know it's like cheers you know like you always know there's going to be somebody there hanging out if you feel like just that just hanging out just like being around like-minded dirtbags yeah yeah um, adult is adulting is adulthood is missing that mm-hmm. that um see you at the jumps yeah i mean we've definitely covered that in a number of on a number of days in a number of ways here where we talk about uh reclaiming the sort of magic of being a you know kid in a vacant lot yeah like look at riding it's all it's it's all we want yeah look at riding a bike through that lens or or from that perspective like it doesn't have to be this thing and you don't have to have the gear and you don't have to have the you know you're not sp- sponsored or racing or you, it's like it just it it just sucks the sucks the joy out of it sometimes yeah um, but we you know just the way that you put that like doesn't anybody want to play right like yeah I sometimes get bummed out because, of course, when I say, does anyone want to ride at like 11? They're all like, well, I got a meeting. I got this. And I have meetings, too. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm I am at least a partial adult. Uh, I just have this flexibility and I want to play like at two. Yeah. I also have to take into consideration that, you know, somebody might reach out to me and be like, hey, you know, we riding today. And I feel like shit. You know, I spend a t- I spent a lot of time the last five years riding by myself, maybe the last 10 years, like riding by yeah. myself almost exclusively. Because if you make a plan to meet on Saturday to ride, my body might be falling apart that day or I might feel achy or my wrist will be s- super swollen or whatever. Like, you know, like I-, I exist in this broken shell and some some days are good and some days are not good. And I. I don't know what it's going to be like. And I don't want to ride with somebody, you know, I've gotten to that point. Like, I don't know if you're like total shredding. Uh, I don't want to like hold you back or be like a boring person for you to ride with. Cause I just kind of feel like loafing, you know? Yeah. It's too bad. You don't live here. Cause we could loaf quite a bit. I'm uh, pretty good at loafing. I, yeah. I would like, I like to loaf. Um, I, I like to ride alone, though. I do really like that because I can do my own thing entirely. The 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 one drawback to it is that, like, sometimes even in loafing, I'll find something, a feature or something that I want to session because it's hard or it's interesting in some way. Mm-hmm. But that's usually because it's dangerous. And when I'm alone, I don't really want to crack my skull or my ribs, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then have to, like, call from under a bush for someone to come and sled me out. I've had to experience in 2015. I, I did this stupid little thing on the section of trail that I'd ridden a million times and jumped off the side and landed with all of my weight on my right leg. And, and I did a lateral, lateral hyperextension. Like I watched my leg bend sideways and it popped and I dropped to the ground and I knew that I'd done something terrible. I wasn't super far from where, from a road, but when you can't walk, I was far enough. I was right, right. in the middle of this network of trails. And, um, I had to sort of crutch myself with my bike and then push myself with my left leg and drag my bike behind me through some sections until I got to a road and I could call and get taken to the hospital. Um, and I tore everything like I completely destroyed my right. knee. And then um, there was a shoot. Well, there's been a few injuries where like I had. I had an ability to call somebody who knew well enough where I was and they could either like I took an ambulance or I, you know, I like I had resources. And yeah. the other day I was riding this whole 
zone I've never been before. And I talked to some people and they'd never been there before. So I had really no idea where I was. And, um, and it occurred to me like, this is sketchy as shit. If I, if something happens like happened, you know, in those other instances, I'm fucked, you know, and there's no, there's no, uh, service out there. And so like, really, again, like I'm on my own, but I'm on my own for a really long time. And I've survived some kind of, uh, uh, hectic experiences, you know, on my own, but, but I had, I had someone at least noticing that I was gone. And, and when I was out there and we've talked about this and, you know, recently in past episodes, like it'll be a couple of days before anybody knows I'm not back. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, so yeah, you know, like that might be a, a part of being, you know, like striving to be alone where that could really backfire. Well, I find that like, I, I enjoy riding alone, but I have to then keep it in a box. I have to like, don't take too many chances, you know, stay in the comfort zone, just enjoy it for what it is, which is, which is fun. I like that. And then I'm like, I want to come back to this spot with somebody so that if I fuck myself up and then I'm like, well, that's pretty self-serving to invite somebody along in case you hurt yourself. (laughs) It's not a bad idea, man. I mean, it's a buddy system. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's not like I'm not going to enjoy being with them. Of course I am. We're friends or whatever, but, um, so that's a, that's a, a tension within riding where I, I both want to loaf, but I also want to push my abilities. I want to kind of do both. I don't think it's unlike skating, right? Where, um, like it's okay to skate alone or it's okay to go skate and you're just fucking around. Yeah. But then sometimes when you skate, you're like, Oh, I want to skate this one thing. You're, you still like, you got to have to keep that interest and that challenge in it. And a lot of times, especially if you've been doing a thing for a long time, the challenges are dangerous. Well, skating too. I love skating with people and I love skating with people. I love being with, like, I don't want to ride bikes with you just because you ride bikes. I want to be with you. And if, because we're friends and then, and then we ride bikes together. Or, you know, I don't want to skate with somebody just because they also skate, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't really fill me. And, um, uh, but I love skating with people because that pushes me and that is, it's, it's inspiring, you know? And, um, I haven't skated with anybody in almost two years and it's fucking boring. You know, like I, I like it. I go out and I have fun by myself. And uh, my buddy, Michael, um, at some point I would say I would make these like little videos and I would send them to a couple of friends back in Oakland. And Michael was like, well, why are you always alone? Like, I know two skateboarders in town and I haven't been able to hook up with them. Like I asked him, you know, a number of times you ask 10 or 15 times and it never works out. So you just sort of stop. Um. <laughs> But it's kind of like, it's like kind of, uh, I don't know. Other people's energy is really helpful. It does feed you. It does, you know? So sometimes you're doing that thing. You're maybe you're sessioning a rock. Um, and you, if I'm alone, I'll maybe I'll try it a couple times and be like, ah, it's not really happening and right away. But when you're with someone else, they might say, oh, it looks like you're just a little too far left or it looks like you know, you need to pull up right there. And then like there's feedback and energy and maybe you push until you get a thing. And I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good. I mean, what, so what, what, what's, what's the upshot of this? Like too much of a good thing, either too much solitude or too much social engagement is going to make you go out of your mind. Yeah. The, I think the upshot is you're going to lose your shit one way or the other. So uh, find that, find that, strike that happy balance. If yeah. You can, I don't know. I like people and I also hate people. I'd say stick with your friends as much as you can. And, uh, you know, it's okay to invest in alone time, but be careful with it. Yeah. You'll be, you'll end up being like doc Brown from weird, not weird science from back to the future. And then, <laughs> you know, you 
be making all kinds of kooky inventions and maybe <laughs> screw up the space-time continuum. That was the obvious takeaway. I'm glad that you <laughs> pulled that out. Let's get to the would you rather. Okay. I, you know what? I wish that I hadn't shared this one with you the other day. I was, I was taking, I was peeing somewhere and then I was thinking this was kind of a perfect storm. Cause like some of the would you rathers are a little more, I wouldn't say cerebral, uh, cause they're not like, but, but they're, they're a little more kind of make you think like the one that I think, uh, uh, that I reflect on pretty regularly is, would you rather die in 30 days or live forever? And this isn't just 200 years. This is past the end of time. Like right. the world is going to blow up eventually or get sucked into a black hole or whatever. And you're just going to still be like floating around like by yourself. <laughs> so there's that one. But the ones that we used to do at the bike shop were always super gross. Right. And and those I think are really funny. And so I was peeing and then I started thinking about like, would I drink my own pee? <laughs> that would be a good one maybe, but actually it's not that great. Cause like, why not? It's going to that. Sure. I probably have done it on a bet, but then I sort of started whittling away at this concept and I wanted to, I wish that I had sort of launched this on you unexpectedly because I feel like this one is unsettling. This one's unsettling. Uh, uh, so would you rather drink a quart of trucker bomb through a crazy straw? And <laughs> I, I asked Robot this and he didn't know what a trucker bomb was. So, as you know, you're driving along and you see like pee bottles on the side of the freeway. Those are trucker bombs. And they're gross. And it could be it could be like old pee that's been out there. So it's like oh. some trucker who's all jacked up on amphetamine pees in a quart bottle and throws it out the window so that might be what you're up against was that a pro or a con i'm not sure but go on i just describing the full scenario sure 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 go on uh he probably i'm, holding, I'm literally holding my side <laughs> together right now so <laughs> chances are pretty good that he's not super hydrated right yeah so got to keep that in mind flavorful got it <laughs> So would you rather drink a quart of random trucker bomb through a crazy straw or eat individually one at a time, 20 fully engorged ticks? Mm. Gross. It is. Um, the crazy. So on the trucker bomb <laughs> on the pro side <laughs> is possible amphetamine lift. Uh, and also crazy straw. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy a crazy straw? Yeah, Although, crazy straw. I recall getting a crazy straw when I was a kid and thinking and just being like over the moon with how exciting the crazy straw was. Yeah, it's like a little it's like a milk roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. It's like a fun, fun park ride for your drinks. Um, but then it tasted like it tasted it had this weird chemically plastic taste that was very oh, yeah. off putting. No, it is absolute carcinogen through and through. It's the worst yeah. thing you could probably use to put liquid into your body. Yeah. Uh, but Crazy Straw is pretty exciting and possible methamphetamine secondary uh, usage is slightly exciting. But I find urine so gross. Especially. So, if if it's just some off the side of the road, like Oof. what kind of community? I think what the bottom line is we got to think about communicable diseases or illnesses that one might, you know, I don't know enough about any of this. Like, could you, if they're ticks, you don't know what kind of blood it is. It could be animal. It could be person. How sick are you going to get? Are there like parasites on the tick body that you're then introducing into your system? Yeah. I had Lyme disease last year. Uh, it was fun. Um, and think about, I, you know, think about it, when you, if you bite one, it'd be like, it'd be like a, a gusher, like, you know, the little Ugh. candies that you bite in the gum and all the liquid comes Freshen out. up. <laughs> so you gotta like, you put them in your, between your molars and snap. Oh, yeah. and then it's just this warm flood. 20 times 20 times i 
It is so gross, but I think I'm going for the ticks. <sighs> that gave my stomach a little flutter. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I would, too. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some protein. Um, well, yeah. What? I don't know. It just feels like I could, like, the crunch doesn't bother me. It probably doesn't taste like blood is going to be real irony, sort of yeah. metallic. But probably there's probably they're not so big that you're going to be. It's like a mouthful of blood. I don't know. I remember seeing a tick when I was a kid and it looked like a pistachio shell. Ugh. Like it was huge. And and we pulled it off my my grandmother's dog and my dad hit it with a hammer. <laughs> and it's just this. <laughs> it's yeah. just this like it was a lot of blood it was real big yeah it was real big and i my friend todd actually sent me a picture of the gushers logo and there's like five of these little gray ticks with the little teeny hair legs like sticking up and oh, these things yeah. are round and shiny and gross they're so you know, I've- full i find them on my dog and myself pretty regularly through the summer yeah. And they they give me the absolute creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm. Especially since I got Lyme disease last year. I'm I feel like I'm way more I don't know if it's PTSD, but I'm just like, oh my god. I was just uh, before I would be like, oh yeah, I got a bug on me, no big deal and I would flick it away. But now if I pull it off, and I'm I'm like you, I'm very hairy. So I actually have like a first line of defense against yeah, ticks. Yeah, big time. Big time. They're just on the top. Usually. Yeah. yeah. But they give me the absolute creeps. I Having hate parasites. That, a quart of someone else's urine. Yeah. Uh, is so. That's a lot. I just, I just can't even. Yeah. No, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, you've said before, uh, this, the sign of a good would you rather is that we both. Like a sign of a, a quality would you rather is that we both. Uh, have where we choose the uh, the different options. Right. And I think 20 fully engorged ticks is maybe one of the grossest visuals or reality possibilities, but also uh, somebody else uh, that much Pete randomly Pete that much random P found on the side of the freeway is just, that's just too much. Maybe like how much, how, like if you took it down from a court to a, like, I think, I think what I've learned about would you rather is it's, it's a balancing, it, there's a balance point. Like at some point, the amount of urine become, if you shrink it, it become, it gets be- to be a better option than the 20 ticks. Sure. Like little, like a, like a little crystal geyser water bottle. Yeah. Or like a Capri Sun. Would a you Capri rather <laughs> drink a Capri Sun of trucker <laughs> urine? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the job of naming that flavor too. <laughs> oh, I'd call it uh, Mac Attack. Maybe I don't know. I, rem- I remember the first Capri Suns I ever had, and I was just blown away. It was magical. Oh yeah, a bag a bag of juice. Yeah, a bag, and they were so cold. I was in Kennett, Missouri. And I drank one and I was just, it was like a game changer for me. Yeah. Uh, but then you don't realize like you, if you blow into the bag, uh, then it shoots juice back at you. Like everybody <laughs> probably remembers that their first yep. experience blowing into a Capri Sun bag. It's also uh, an instant squirt gun. If you jam it, your thing and then you point it at somebody, uh-huh. uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a Le- weapon. <laughs> leave it to kids to, to, uh, weaponized juice bags yeah uh okay so uh uh, capri sun bag of pee or 20 engorged ticks i'm I'm probably still going with the ticks it just seems safer it gets pretty close at capri sun size (laughs) for me i'd call it almost a dead heat And I think at that point, I'd have to see how big the ticks were, because if they're the size of a pistachio 
and there are 20 of them, I might go for the Capri Sun. I'm thinking minimum, like, pinky nail size. Do ticks get that big? Oh, sure. Okay, then that's what I'm thinking. 20 of those. That's a yeah, lot. That's yeah, a meal. It's, I'd call it a dead heat with a Capri Sun <clears throat> of trucker. Trucker piss at that point. Sucks. You're, pro- you're gonna vomit either way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. There's, there's real no, there's no winners in this scenario. Um, I think I can probably get the Capri Sun down faster. I might yeah. then, I, at that size, I might shift to the Capri Sun. Okay. Because it's well, gonna end the same way, and I I'm just want to get it over faster. Not, I'm not proud of this one. This one is a. This was this. I'm, I'm ashamed that this ever conjured or uh, crossed my mind, but I'm glad that we had the conversation. And, uh, you know, that puts us in an hour, thankfully. <laughs> glad, oh. glad that was over. Uh, thanks for listening to Revolting. We know it wasn't easy, uh, and it certainly was not on us. If you have any ideas you want us to explore, hit us up at stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. If you like revolting, please tell a friend or consider subscribing to the Cycling Independent. It's how we pay ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so with that, on behalf of the Cycling Independent, this is Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Yeah.